0: Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you. Good to be with you here on a Tuesday, July 27th. Uh, Lots going on. Uh, Some news on the expansion front, tons of speculation on the expansion front. That's always fun. Uh, wanted to remind everybody real quick, uh, this is a topic yesterday. It's going to be kind of a topic today. Also going to get into some other things, specifically Gamecock-related about the present, not necessarily the future. Uh, we also did a JC and Morgan podcast last night. Mike and I dropped about 11 o'clock Eastern time where we broke down all of this. You know, Mike works for SEC Network, tied into a bunch of schools around the league, college football, television rights, things like that. So he's an outstanding source on all of this. Uh, And you you probably want to check that conversation. I said some different things there than I did here on some different topics uh, because I just don't want to double up because, quite frankly, I want you both to listen uh, to both podcasts. And with that, this portion of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast is brought to you by Heritage Digital. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working or still having constant problems, slowness and other recurring issues? By the way, I've been bragging uh, about uh, tech issues and things like that in terms of what I have to deal with, but I, I had a little issue the other day. And I thought about heritage digital, I, you know, CBS Viacom owns uh, the servers and, and the, the actual website, that the big lives on. Uh, so that doesn't really fit with what I did, but I was like, well, if this was, I was an independent, I would definitely call my good friend, Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, they'll make sure your business isn't bogged down by IT issues that impact your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. They'll perform a no-cost assessment and ask you all the right questions. To make sure your network works correctly all the time for one low monthly fee. It's a it's a uh, all-inclusive deal. It's like Sandals Resort, but IT. So anyway, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good comparison. But with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage Digital has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of constant computer and network issues, please call my friend Matthew Odom. Heritage Digital today, 843 664 8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and for all from a tech standpoint. Uh, Gamecock-affiliated business here, proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Please tell them J.C. Sherbert uh, or the podcast sent you. Just say podcast. It'll be fine. Um, And so the news and notes. So the University of Oklahoma, University of Texas at Austin, I guess that's the official Deal there. Um, those guys uh, sent a letter to the SEC today. I'm sorry. I just saw where somebody rated um, Jaleel Skinner a five star prospect. Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so here we go. You know, the kid from Greer. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know where the the disconnect between analysts that have seen this kid at a seven on seven and college coaches comes from Uh, most college coaches think low floor, very low floor, high ceiling, ways to go upside guy, that kind of thing. Not a five-star in my opinion, uh, based on that feedback and what I've seen, but uh, who knows he's going to IMG Academy. That's another news note. But anyway, so Oklahoma and Texas sent a letter to the SEC requesting membership that's after they informed the Big Twelve Monday. They were out. Southeastern Conference presidents meet Thursday to discuss this. On Friday, the Oklahoma and Texas Board of Regents meet, presumably to accept the invite. So, look, man. Uh, you know, I, I think this is uh, this is going to happen. Um, you know. We have some comments from the Charleston Post Courier on Harris Pastides. from Harris Pestides. Um, And he talks about, you know, how they have impressive universities. They do. Great athletic departments. They do. Uh, it's not the, just the athletic competitiveness or the business part. Uh, you know, he said they will be worthy peers, you know, we don't need two more universities to make us the best. That's a communal decision, worthy to be considered. Um, and then the schedule changes would work out. This is a new quote, cause Pastides was talking, you know, about competition. He's like, I'm like too much competition. Like they're better than the current competition. No, they're just like current competition. Every game South Carolina plays, is like, oh, my God, how are we going to play them? And now we've got two more. But I do respect the fans, of course, and I know where they're coming from. Uh, that's interesting. And, and, look, I think the way you you, you kind of address the competitive thing, uh, if you're South Carolina or anybody, is, is the structure and the scheduling and all that. And uh, the more I think about it, the more I like the pod system and a big rotation of everybody – you know, that way, look, some years, if you're South Carolina, you're going to catch it. You're going to catch a tough schedule. Uh, but that that happens a lot, you know, around South Carolina and other schools. And then some years, it's going to work out for you. What I don't – what I would not like is, you know, the the simple answer of go to nine games and shove Alabama and Auburn in the east. And and then, you know, you, you still got the division format in a – a division that basically, you know, 30 years ago would have been its own conference. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, that ceiling gets a little bit higher and tough. Um, I think you rotate it around with pods and things like that, and everybody sort of gets a chance. So I, I think that, you know, uh, that's the deal. Like Texas and Oklahoma also requested membership of July 1st, 2025. That's the start of the fiscal year. And that's when their contract, and television deal with ESPN and Fox runs out in the Big 12. Uh, Lots of speculation. It's not going to last that long. It was uh, said to me like somebody, you know, get divorced and still live in the house together or something. Uh, Just about anybody I know that has ever done that, and there are people that have done that, says it's brutal. Um, I mean, you're opening yourself up to a lot of different things. It's also almost, you know, like when an NFL franchise decides to move, you know, and they play those couple of years and, you know their old city. it, it sucks, um, and and I, I, you know, it, with those situations, you get back, you know, limited crowds and things like that. I don't think that's going to be the case. People are still going to show up to watch the Longhorns and and uh, Sooners and Oklahoma State and everybody else as long as there's football. But um, I have a feeling, and and uh, um, Matt Hayes from Saturday Down South had a column the other day where he talked about. You know, and quoted an SEC athletic director said, well, the, the opinion is that um, that they're going to start 2022 next year. Uh, and so they have to work out a buyout and all that good stuff. But I, I think that's the next step. I think legally, you know, because you have some schools in the Big 12 right now talking about you know, some collusion and, you know, tortuous interference, all these big legal words because uh, they're pissed off because these guys are leaving and nobody knew and they're wanting transparency. Uh, so to avoid getting sued, I think you have to put that date on any kind of official documentation. I wouldn't read too much into it. Uh, some people, and look, it may be 2025. It may be that everybody just chooses to play it out and, and it, you know, doesn't happen until then. But I, you know, I, I I'm, I'm thinking 2023 at the latest that that's my deal. You don't want to stay in a bad situation if you're the Big Twelve and you're looking to survive and add teams. You know you're you're not gonna sit there and say you know hey BYU you got to be an independent till 2025. You know because they want to come in right away. Maybe they do add them and Texas and Oklahoma have to play. I don't know. You know there's a lot of different things. But as far as South Carolina goes, reading this, um, you know, and, and that's I read this article yesterday in the Charleston Post and Courier quoting Pastides, and then he had another one. When he's talking to the Columbia Road Rotary Club. And and I think I think he makes a point. And, and look, Gamecock fans, when you when you initially hear, oh God, you know, SEC's tough enough. You're adding Texas and Oklahoma now. Oh my goodness, that's just two more teams that you gotta beat. And that's true because Texas and Oklahoma eventually are gonna pop on the schedule. But with kind of the way it'll rotate, I don't think it's any different than. You know, when Clemson has to go play Notre Dame or, you know, when South Carolina schedules a major out-of-conference opponent in addition to Clemson. uh, You know, it'll be that kind of thing in terms of when you see them. I'd be shocked, you know, and I I doubt this will happen if South Carolina has to play Texas and Oklahoma every year in addition to everybody else. Um, So that's number one. Number two is recruiting. Um, This helps South Carolina recruit. When you are in the best conference in America and it's clear that that's the case, you have a story to sell. And, and if you think about how South Carolina has been recruiting under Shane Beamer, you know, Miami to Maine, it's the eastern seaboard. You know, South Carolina remains the easternmost team in the SEC. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma are very, very Texas oriented in terms of how they recruit. Now, Oklahoma, They'll go in and get some kids from the East Coast. They got several from the East Coast. Shane Beamer recruited some guys from the East Coast. They'll go to the West Coast to get guys in state, um, sometimes down south. And then in Texas, they're not as Texas-oriented as University of Texas. But make no mistake about it, Texas getting into the SEC and Oklahoma getting into the SEC you know, has a lot, a lot to do with look at Texas A&M and, and, and how they're pulling players right now. And they're selling the SEC, and you know we're sitting here selling the Big Twelve. Uh, now it's not that Texas and Oklahoma haven't gotten good recruits. Um, Oklahoma probably will be able to recruit better defensive players, being in the SEC, and that's kind of what they're missing. Uh, I think Texas overall, uh, you know, recruiting has not been a problem there. I think they get plenty of talented guys. I think culture, you know, culture with their program, uh, and, and let's just call it like it is, you know, since 2010 for the last decade or so, they've been soft. Uh, and look, I know a lot about Charlie Strong as a coach. I know a lot about Tom Herman as a coach. Uh, those guys put a premium on toughness. So, you know, everybody that wants to change coaches and say, well, they didn't change the culture, I mean, I, I think the culture is there. Now, what, what's going to happen with Texas is this. You know, they're gonna get thrown in to a swink, sink or swim type of situation when they join the SEC. They're either gonna tough it up as a program or they're gonna get bludgeoned until they get some guys in there that understand here, here's what you got to do. Cause you can't just go out there and you know screw around like they do some. I mean, you know, I've watched some Texas football over the years and it's just, you know, in recent years and it's just not not the team we're used to seeing from University of Texas. Um, they've gotten soft. And uh, I, I think that maybe they struggle when they get in the SEC. Maybe they don't. Uh, it's weird when two new teams come into a league. You have all kinds of varying expectations. Sometimes teams come in and they surprise and, and do well. Sometimes they don't. You know, Miami and the ACC, nobody predicted them when they joined the Atlantic Coast Conference they would not win the division. Until 2017, and that would be the only division title they'd have in 16 years. Um, you go back to uh, A&M and Missouri when they came in. A&M went 11 and two and had a Heisman Trophy winner's first year, which is surprising. Johnny Football had a lot to do with that. Johnny Manziel. Missouri, though, won the SEC East in year two and year three. Going back to Arkansas in, in year, shoot, what was it? Was it four? Ninety-five. Danny Ford won the SEC West. Arkansas's fourth year in the league. South Carolina, their first year in the SEC, started horribly, zero and five. But they finished five and one that first year. Steve Tannehill, Those of you that remember that big finish and Gamecocks almost knocked off Spurrier at the Swamp, fourteen to nine ball game. So, uh, Sparky Woods did that. You know, so so that was kind of a you know tale of two seasons within that one season, but. It wasn't like South Carolina didn't get up off the mat and compete. Uh, You know, I'll go back to Florida State basketball. When they joined the ACC, I think they had Charlie Ward as their point guard, and they won 10 conference games. Now they quickly went into the abyss. But first year, you know, right out the bat, team from the Metro came in. Um, And and so it just sort of depends. You know, not everything is Rutgers going to the Big Ten, which – that situation was going to take a while <laughs> and still will, you know, they're finally getting it together, you know, uh, or like a TCU, you know, TCU struggled their first year in the big 12, quickly turned it, won the league should have been in the playoff to be honest. But um, you know, that, 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 that's the deal. You just never know. My feeling with Texas though uh, is that they, they're going to have to come in and, Things are going to have to change one way or the other. I think is going to be fine. They need to beep up their defense. But I think they're getting enough talent on the offensive side of the ball to where they'll be able to move it up and down the field, especially especially if what we saw last year is what, we, what the future of the SEC is like with going up and down the field and things like that. I tend to think defenses are going to bounce back this season. Um, So South Carolina, so how does that affect them? I uh, kind of got off track there. So, So recruiting – You know, these two schools don't – I mean, they're they're going to go into California and Florida and Georgia and, you know, Texas, and and they don't – they're not going to come mess around in in South Carolina's recruiting area. I'm not saying there's never going to be a situation where a kid doesn't come down to Texas and South Carolina or Oklahoma and South Carolina and they won't go to Austin or Norman. Uh, I'm just saying that – you know, that's way far away. You know, Austin will be the westernmost city in the SEC. Columbia is the east. They're way over there. You know, and people talk about what if Clemson joined or Florida State. You know, and those those two from a recruiting standpoint would be more problematic. You know, even a North Carolina or NC State would be more problematic from just looking at it strictly from recruiting. Now you can also, you know, the, there's also pros and cons to Clemson joining the league. I don't think Clemson's joining the league. I, I'm not even going to discuss it until, you know, unless I get a mailbag question in the I Heart con, or I Help Consulting mailbag. Um, so so out of sight, out of mind a bit. You know, yes, you are going to have to play them, but I think Gamecock fans would be excited if they scheduled a home and home with Oklahoma, like Tennessee did, or a home and home with Texas, like all like uh, LSU did. You know, there was talk when Matt Brown was at Texas and Spurrier was at South Carolina, they were going to play. I think ESPN maybe tried to get that together at one point. So, you know, I I don't, you know, and and this is just talking about football here. Uh, I think basketball and baseball are becoming a bloodbath anyway. (laughs) Uh, You know, and what's two more teams? I mean, you're going to play, you know, you're still going to be at 18 games in basketball. You know, probably thirty in baseball, and you'll rotate around. But uh, you know, so unless they're going to be added to the schedule every season, you know, I I don't see what the big worry is, and and I also don't think this. I you know I, I don't think you're going to see a situation where, you know, the SEC championship game is, you know, they 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 combined like they, the ACC did last year, with fifteen teams, and then one and two play for the title. I would be very surprised if that ends up being the deal. You know, I, I just uh, – I think pods, divisions, they'll keep all that, you know, because they're smart people and can figure it out, hopefully. Um, and, and so there's really no reason, in my opinion, for South Carolina fans to to, to kind of get in this mode where, oh, God, this just makes it even more impossible. Because, um, yes, they are in the conference. Yes, you are competing against them. yes. They are two of the most winningest football programs in the history of the game, fourth and sixth. Uh, but they don't recruit where you recruit. You know, they, they – if, if some school's worried about recruiting, it's probably Texas A&M, to a lesser extent LSU, maybe Alabama, certainly Arkansas, maybe Missouri. Uh, and it's not South Carolina, you know. And if you look at what Shane Beamer's doing and where they're recruiting – you know, I think that's smart, and I think that's another thing you can sell when you're talking to a player from Pennsylvania or New Jersey or Delaware or D.C. Uh, or Virginia, you know, a place like that, North Carolina even. I mean, I, I think that this, you know, ups the game, um, you know, and, and I think that uh, it gives you another selling point. Hey, look, this is going to be – this not only is – What everybody says is the best conference in college football. It it clearly is, you know, the teams in the SEC, SEC football, you know, this is going to give you the most exposure. You can combine that into the NIL thing, you know, and I think with sort of where South Carolina's recruiting, you know, I don't don't see where Texas and Oklahoma being in the league affects them one iota. Um, I've said before, the one caveat, and I would hope that, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, these teams that are in the East right now, uh, would be if, if, they just say, all right, we're doing eight team divisions and we're going to ship Alabama and Auburn to the East. And, and, you know, to me, that's, I don't know, that, that, that's tough for a lot of schools, you know, and, and it's just because of how good Alabama is right now. And any other teams, you know, they all have years where they go up and down Alabama right now is, is insane. And, um, you know, I I don't know that Alabama would be, you know, I think Alabama would probably like to go play Texas and Oklahoma <laughs> in the West. Um, and I think a pod system is probably uh, the best way to solve some of the issues with scheduling in the league. Like, hey, we don't, you know, if you're South Carolina, hey, we don't play Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Played them in 09. Don't play them in 09. Don't play until 2024 out there. That's 15 years. And uh, several expansions between the time you're you're, you're playing in Bryant Denny Stadium, which you know kids when they come to your school and you say they're going to play in the SEC, they like playing. Um, uh, in in those cathedrals of college football and things like that, it, it fires guys up. It's a selling point. And I think I think with pods, you can sit there and rotate, 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 and you know year to year, it's kind of a fresh slate, kind of like the NFL like a you know sometimes the NFC South will play the AFC East in a year and you play everybody hey what's up and i think that's good you know you play the three teams in your pod and everything else kind of changes uh, over time and and i like that you know i, I think i think that kind of evens things out uh, and yeah a lot of a lot of times teams are going to have success based on that draw you know and a tough draw may keep a team from the playoff or whatever you know because they' oh, shoot we got to play these guys and these are the top three teams in our league and you know but uh but that's just kind of life in the SEC as it is and so you know i I, I would hope that the powers that be at all the schools you know around the league would you know if they start talking about 218 team division oh whoa whoa wait a minute you know, because think if you're Arkansas too, it's like oh god, they had LSU, Texas, Texas AM, and Oklahoma, the Mississippi's, now Missouri. I guess Missouri would be a saving grace for some of them, but Eli Drinkwitz is doing pretty well out there right now. Uh, and, and I've learned to never underestimate those guys <laughs> at Missouri. But uh, you know, so so I, I you know from the gamecocks perspective, like I said, you know, after thinking it over and really digging into it, uh, you know, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, West Virginia, you know, Georgia Tech joining the SEC, something like that, you know, even taking the Clemson thing out of it, that would be much more problematic because, you know, that's that's kind of in the Gamecocks neighborhood. Gamecocks are still the easternmost SEC team. Uh I don't see Texas or Oklahoma coming in and, you know, I, I think Texas signed Puna Ford and Ben Alexander out of this state. When Mac, when Mac Brown and Charlie Strong were there, South Carolina did not offer Ben Alexander because he was 5'10". Puna Ford was also shorter. Uh, he played at a school that routinely sends their players way, way far away from um, right high school. Uh, Oklahoma. Signed a kid from Conway, Eric Huggins, who was a big-time rated recruit back in the 05, complete bust, did nothing. Um, You know, other than that, they did get Alan Patrick out of a JUCO, and he was from Conway, South Carolina. uh, And that kind of is what led to Huggins. Other than that, you know, I haven't seen uh, Oklahoma come in and get a guy. I may be missing someone. But, you know, they don't really come over into South Carolina and, and land guys. I know that, you know, they tried to get in with Jordan Birch and Alex Huntley, and Huntley was really interested in them. And, and you know, they've they, they spot-recruited some players here and there. But, you know, they, they and even with the SEC, I just, I just don't think you're going to see Oklahoma and Texas become major players in the Carolinas. I think, you know, one or two guys here or there they may be involved with, but that's it. The big prize, and rightfully so, is on the elite Texas high school football talent, which I feel like both schools, Oklahoma and Texas, feel like they're losing ground. And, and that's probably why there was the change of heart from UT to get back in, you know, to get in the SEC. And so that's uh, that, that, that's the long and short of it right here. Um, put this on the big spur. I want to just briefly mention this. And this article comes um, from The Athletic, which is kind of funny because the same columnist wrote this big, long, you know, whiny article about how expansion is going to kill the game we love. And the, the, the gist of it was, hey, you know, you're going to lose some of these games everybody cares about. And, and, you know, to a certain extent, I think expansion has been bad from that standpoint. I mean, you've got – I mean, you don't think – you know, Maryland fans are probably happy they get to play Penn State again because that's an old game that got canceled a while back. But you think they really get fired up, as fired up for Michigan State as they did for Virginia, even Tech, Virginia Tech? Even Clemson, like back in the eighties, you remember North Carolina, Duke, those teams in basketball. Um, you know, it, it's University of Pittsburgh's rivalries have been stripped from them. You know, that's uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's um. You know, sorry, I just got off track there again. Pittsburgh, uh, you know, they don't get to play the backyard brawl with West Virginia anymore because West Virginia is a Big Twelve outpost now. They lost the Penn State game when uh, Penn State joined the Big Ten. Of course, there was some politics there. Uh, you know, and if if you're if you're Pittsburgh, you know, you're you're like, wow. So you know. Poor Pittsburgh's lost all their games. Anyway, the the point of all this is like, wah, 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 you know, and I guess the writer lives in Texas. and was like, oh, you know, and and started longing for the Southwest conference. Keep in mind this writer uh, for years, and and I'm not going to mention his name because, you know, I think he does pretty good work. Uh, You know, columns are meant to be disagreed with, uh, all that good stuff. And so – you know, this guy's been beating the drum about NIL and paying players for a long, long time. Totally like, ah, uh, you know, to the point where, you know, college football is exploiting players or whatever, which I don't, I don't buy. I think some guys, it's a shame they couldn't go make money because they have value uh, to go make it with, with NIL. You're proven elite players, 2%, 2, 2, 3% of your roster. Um, and that's all people seem to care about. You know, they act like they like, it's this like detriment to every player and all that good stuff that they can't go do anything and blah, 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 blah. And and they don't think about the fact that like college football for 98% of the guys that play it, that don't go pros an overwhelmingly positive experience that enriches their lives and, uh, you know, allows them to go into society debt free, um, and, you know, sets them up in a lot of ways. You know, never mind all that. But that's fine. That's a different topic. You know, so this guy's been beating this drum, and then you're, you're going to whine about the Southwest Conference not being together again. You know, you're going to miss the TCU-SMU game that bad, you know. Um, so here's where I take exception on all this. I agree that expansion, you know, like like West Virginia, should not be in the Big 12. Um, you know, I think Colorado and Nebraska have suffered in their new homes. You know, they, they don't – that used to be a game everybody looked forward to, Colorado and Nebraska. They don't even get to play anymore. Uh, they had a non-conference last year in Boulder. We lost Nebraska, Oklahoma. We've lost Texas, Texas a and but, but I don't think this move by the SEC uh, does any takes anything away except, except two things. Number one, your TCUs and Baylors and Texas Techs of the world aren't going to get a shot at Texas. You know, but, but are those really rivalry games for the legions of Longhorn? No. You know, no. I mean, so that's probably unfortunate for the TCUs and Texas Techs of the world. And I get it. And, you know, I, I like TCU a lot, and I have respect for those fans. But so they're losing that. So, okay, well, that, that's that's bad. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if Southern Cal and UCLA broke off and they didn't get to play Stanford or Cal. But what we're getting back, if you love college football rivalry games, is outstanding because Texas and Texas AM are gonna to have to play. Texas AM and Oklahoma are gonna to have to play. Texas renews their rivalry with Arkansas that they lost 30 years ago. You don't think Arkansas fans are fired up? Arkansas gets to play Oklahoma, which is a border state. You know, people don't know this. Fayetteville's right near the Oklahoma border. And so, you know, I I think for those schools, even Missouri is probably pretty fired up. They get to play some of their old teams. They used to play Oklahoma and Texas again. Texas A&M has to play Oklahoma. I mean, it's, you know, and then on top of that, you you have some of the what-if games, you know, Texas and LSU. That's going to be a pretty good game and all that. So I, I don't think this move specifically does any of that. I think it restores some of that. And then if West Virginia ends up joining the ACC, I think it even further restores some of that. So I wrote about that on the Big Spur today. and Lots of different uh, comments about it. And I I don't think that this in and of itself kills college football in the way that that particular columnist said. You know, I think that this actually enhances it quite a bit. If you're talking about traditional matchups, if you're a traditionalist, and I am, uh, you know, I – think i've ever you know just by my own will pulled for texas or texas a&m unless there was something else at stake uh, as a fan ever but i also um you know felt something empty when they eliminated the texas texas a&m game you know that's going to be an sec game that's going to slide right into thanksgiving night again you know which you know growing up and As an adult, I enjoyed watching that game every Thanksgiving night. If you watch the movie, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, they're talking about the Aggies and Longhorns playing. It's an iconic game. And so the mere fact you're getting that back, you know, to me, uh, is great. You know, and and, and look, if you have to sacrifice TCU in Texas or whatever to get the Aggies and Longhorns back, that's fine. And then this Texas-Arkansas game was always huge. And so – Moving forward here, you know, I, I think that's wrong. And it just kind of amazes me that, that some of these folks that preached and preached and preached about NIL and paying players and all this, that, what do they think? I mean, if it comes to that, consolidation is the answer because you it's about building your brand as a, as a unit. And why wouldn't you add two of the biggest brands in college football? <laughs> I mean, you know, you can't have everything both ways. You know, you, you can't have college football programs with salaries and a salary cap like the NFL and, uh, and and all and a, you know, a draft and all that good stuff. You know, you, college is still about choice. And there's always going to be recruiting. And, and there, you know, with the way you acquire players, you know, and, and you know, you, and without any oversight, I mean, you know, what's the answer? Well, you just got to build your value as best you can, because, you know, you're not going to have big time opportunities for guys if you're like not part of the big time group. And um, it just amazes me. Some of these people that were all about that are now like, Oh, it's killing college football. No, you know, what's more likely to kill college football is when you have an NIL situation where, One group of boosters is just going all in, uh, and it remains unregulated. And the other group can't get it, can't understand it, doesn't know what to do. And so they end up massively losing recruits, and, and you you know, you don't sign. I mean, it's just one of those things. You know, you can't have it, but what do you expect? So anyway – that is my take on that. Definitely, um, Shane Beamer had a uh, Gamecock Club meeting of the Welcome Home Tour uh, at the stadium at Williams-Brice last night. Heard he did very well. Frank Martin was there. A lot of other folks were there. Uh, heard the the new club level there. I think it's the Traditions Club. Uh, looked really nice. You know, people enjoyed that. Uh, Shane Beamer remains fired up. They ask him a question about this expansion thing. And I don't know that he wanted to talk about it too much, but uh, I don't know that, that Beamer, even though he did come from Oklahoma, I don't I don't think he heard any of this. I, I think this was a select group of people that went, you know, above the coaches. If it, if it would have been the coaches, some coach somewhere would have leaked it to somebody earlier. Um, coaches had no idea. Um you Know, but he was like, I don't want to talk about, you know, talk about getting ready for Easter Illinois and all that. And the gamecocks are everybody seems back and healthy. Uh, Isaiah Norris, the Juco DB, will be in August, that's the last guy they're waiting on. Bam Scott got in, the linebacker from junior college, originally from Fort Wayne, Indiana. We'll see what he can do this year. Uh, you know, the key with the linebackers is going to get health is to get healthy. Um, just talking to some people uh, in the last couple of days, some contacts, you know, it's uh, it, it, there's light at the end of the tunnel as far as the defensive backfield goes. Uh, just with the addition of Prunty, uh, John Whittle had a note the other day. Marcellus Dial has had a good summer. Uh, I thought he looked good in the spring game, too. He hadn't played football in a while, though. Uh, you still have Cam Smith back there. You know, I, I think numbers wise, you know it's not the same situation as at wide receiver because a lot of numbers at wide receiver, a lot of guys that you go, why are they not playing better? <laughs> uh, every one of them has a different flaw. they've been working hard so we'll see what happens there. DB there's just so many newcomers you just don't I don't know how you know I, you know most of these guys at receiver, except with the exception of Omega Blake and you know Marion Brown have, have been have been here. You know, you kind of know what, what they have been, you know, hopefully they are better, but uh, DB, there's so many newcomers. You you just, you just don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know who's going to go to safety or whatever, but based on some contacts I've talked to, there is some light at the end of the tunnel there. It was good to hear about dial. I've always kind of thought a lot of him uh, out of high school. He's from Woodruff, my home County, Spartanburg, home of Tony Rice. Uh, former Notre Dame quarterback, but um, Spartanburg County guy, you know, thought he looked pretty good in the spring game. Good news there. Uh, My whole question probably, you know, it's probably going to be safety, which it seems like we talk about the safeties every year and we have for good reason. You know, I, I know they like RJ Roderick, I think he's probably in line to start at one of the spots. I know Jalen Foster started in the spring. I'm not sure that that holds. Uh, I think Jalen Dickerson being healthy could be potentially huge for that spot. And then I think it's going to depend on who moves over. I mean, because you, you have a lot of guys listed at, at corner right now. Will Joey Hunter move over? Uh, he was injured during the spring. Could he, he be a safety? Could, you know an incoming guy like LaDerry Craig and Isaiah Norris. I mean, I, I don't know. That's, gonna, that's got to Torian Gray and Clayton White. But uh, that would be the, the – if you're looking at the two positions back there, that would be the concern. And there's a reason why they have, you know, potentially seven guys that can play safety in this recruiting class uh, because you do have a lot of young corners. And with Prunty coming in, that really helps. you got to stay healthy. But, um, you know, light at the end of the tunnel – uh, with all of that there. So that's uh, that's what's going on. You know that's my little nugget from the uh, from the world of the gamecocks as we sit here and you know on that end it, you know you're gonna have some Gamecock club meetings, not much news will come out of them. Uh, and then the season's gonna start players report this weekend and start practice next week. So that's gonna be where it starts getting getting on. And uh, that's where you're going to start here about who made strides over the summer, who's looking good. I- I'll say this, uh, you know, Marion Brown, that's the transfer receiver from Georgia tech that, you know, you didn't hear much about in the spring, I, you know, saw a picture of him, Derek Moore retweeted it. And, um, you know, it looks like he's got a little thicker, a little bigger. Uh, I don't know weight wise what he's up to, but that guy can fly. Uh, here's hoping that, You know, he's going to do some good things um, because they need him. I mean, they need all the speed they can get at that spot. Uh, Omega Blake, (laughs) speaking of guys that look impressive physically, he measures 6'3", 182 coming in, chiseled and cut. Uh, I've said this many times, uh, and he's a true freshman, so who knows. But I do think that a true freshman can step in and play receiver. We've seen it before. We've seen Brian Edwards do it. We've seen – over the years, Troy Williamson did it, if I'm not mistaken. He was a true freshman. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, you know, some of the really good ones. Shy Smith had a really good uh, freshman year. Uh, or Trey Smith had a good freshman. He's a freshman can step in and play. And if you're that big, you know, we'll see how fast he is, you know, that'll do. And I've said this many times. I, have you know, knew some people on a uh, an ACC staff that was recruiting Omega Blake and they had Omega as the number one receiver on their board and they throw the ball all over the place too. You know, so it's not like, you know, they're, they're up there running the option or something, <laughs> you know, so you can rule out Virginia and Boston college on those two, <laughs> but um, you know, so I, I, you know, Omega Blake could step in and help. I, I don't know. They, you know, receiver, you know, question, other question, you know, I, what are they going to do with EJ Jenkins? Is he more of a receiver or more of a tight end? Uh, I tend to believe he and Bell – you know, Bell's kind of a Swiss Army knife. Jenkins move all over the place, but it's more receiver than tight end, and then Nick Muse is your tight end. And you got and You can do some other things. So, anyway, uh, that's the take there. Uh, and with that, it's about time for the I Hope Consulting Mailbag. All right, I help consulting mailbag. Uh, took a little break there w- with the recording, had to pause. Dog was barking. Um, sorry if I was uh I guess a little bit flighty during that first segment. Uh, just kept getting hit with things on Twitter and text and stuff like that, preparing to go on vacation for a week. You guys can relate. Uh, it's tough. But I I really hope you enjoyed the podcast and my uh uh what, what, what distraction. Uh wasn't that bad, but we got the mailbag segment coming. And so that's what we're going to do. And it's uh, brought to you by, of course, iHelp Consulting. If you're a business owner, you can always save time and money. That's where iHelp Consulting can help you. iHelp is a game type owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money, on expenses. Whether you think you might be paying too much for credit card processing, internet insurance, or anything else, iHelp can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And if remember, I help can't save your business any money. You don't pay them anything. That's right. If I help can't help your business, it's no cost to you. Call or text Daniel Owens at iHelp, 843-372-5713, or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713. iHelp Consulting, how can I help you? Two ways to get into the I Help Consulting Mailbag. First way is through Twitter. So go follow at the Big Spur Pod on Twitter. We encourage you to do that. And the first one comes in via the Twitter line from Joe Sportscaller. He says, if the TV revenue of the new SEC by Yahoo Sports is being at 80, correct, it being at 80 million per school in 2024, don't you think head coaches in football will have much shorter leashes than ever Before, due to the ability to buy them out. Yeah, to a certain extent, I do. Um, I think it's already that way. I think that, uh, you know, it's one of those things uh, where in certain situations, the the schools have kind of had to find a way, Auburn, South Carolina last year, uh, to make it happen, Uh, and then that won't be a case anymore. Uh, From what I was told, too, with buyouts – you know, it is once even without the expansion and with the new ESPN Dell taking over for CBS, it uh, you know, the quote I got was that we're going to be able to do whatever we want <laughs> uh, in terms of coaches. And, and I think with coaches' salaries escalating like they are, you know, the old saying to 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 whom much is given, much is expected. Uh, You know, just Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, you know, they hired him to make a playoff, compete for SEC and national championships. They gave him that crazy contract because of it. And, uh, you know, if he falls short of that, they're probably going to move on to somebody else. You know, it kind of depends on the standards and things like that. I I certainly don't think it's in South Carolina's best interest to change coaches every two or three years like Tennessee, uh, which also, you know, had – trying to avoid a buyout up there, uh, cause them some problems, but yeah, more money, the more that you're going to be able to, um, go and and spend it, you know, on things like coaches salaries and facilities and and things for fans. And we talked yesterday about the improved money and, you know, how I think that a lot of the things that, that they're going to invest in at South Carolina in the near future will be either fan related or, You know, just a few things here and there for the players because they've pretty much gotten that taken care of, at least for now. And then, you know, you'll probably start seeing some enhancements for players in other sports, other sports facilities, that type of thing. Uh, But, yeah, it's huge with that. And and I do think that when you start talking about expectations and money and things like that, the more money you make, (laughs) I think the more you're expected to perform. Uh, and that gets tough because in a 16-team in a league like this, not everybody's going to be good every year. You know, everybody could be good every year. Everybody's record won't be as good. Everybody won't win enough. I think, I think we sort of saw that last year with the all-SEC schedule. Some teams had pretty good seasons, but lost twice as many games as they won. <laughs> you know, just because of the nature of the league. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be much shorter. And, look, I, here, here's the thing uh the good news with all this too is assistant coaches salaries are going to go up and those are the people that really when people get fired you know on a on a family level on a oh my gosh what are you going to do level i feel like that uh you know those are the folks i feel bad for because they're all on one-year contracts for the most part some of them have two or three you got to move your family again you got to go to the next gig head coaches that get bought out of their contract are usually set for life. Um, You know, and so while man to man, I feel bad for Will Muschamp because I know he was a competitor. I know he tried really hard. I know it just didn't work out. Um, I think, you know, as a competitor, you know, that would kind of not be a good thing because you basically lose, you know, so I felt bad for him there, but, you know, as far as, you know, is Will Muschamp going to be okay? I mean, you know, I'll give you like 18.9 million reasons why he will, Uh, you know, because he's, he got six from Florida and 12.9 from the Gamecocks and, uh, you know, he's set, ready to go. You know, his family, they're not going to be starving. They're going to have a place to live and he's well off. He's a rich man. So, you know, in those cases, yeah, I, I think it will be coaches will turn over and over and over, maybe quicker. Maybe you won't have a long time to get something built. Uh, but that's just the nature of it. You know, we live in a society where you're not going to have the the long leash anymore. Um, you know, to, to do it. And I, and I think too, you know, when we talk about long leashes, I, I think that every program has a baseline expectation. Uh, I think South Carolina, their baseline expectation has increased to, winning season and bowl game, you know, that, that's sort of the normal year, you know, seven and six, eight and five. If you look at the averages over the year and, 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 you know, I I think that when you're building, you just need to sort of, uh, you know, meet that when you can, you know, beyond your first year or two when you may have inherited a bad situation or whatever and meet that. Uh, And then I think you can get time. You know, I I think I think if you look at Steve Spurrier and you know it took him six years to to really get it going, that sort of proves that, you know, this program can evolve. Um, when you have a good coach in there and and he keeps it above water. Uh Spurrier wasn't, you know, winning big, but he would, you know, beat Clemson or beat Georgia and go to bowls and, and win and have winning seasons. Even the team, which wasn't very good, had a winning season, seven and six, went to the Outback Bowl. Uh, and I think people were fine with that. Even, you know, even if you lose to UConn in the Papa John's Bowl and get finished seven and six yet again, you know, you uh, you sort of uh, are, are, are meeting that minimal standard while you're building. And then eventually you're going to break through. Now, the problem with Champ is, number one, Year four was a disaster. Uh, year four did not start well with the North Carolina loss. Jake Bentley got hurt. You know, when they showed signs of life beating Kentucky and Georgia, they come right back and blow it against Florida. I know there was a bad call. Tennessee and App State games were inexcusable. And that team, that team really should have been better. You know, Missouri game was a disaster. I mean, you know uh in year four and they go four and eight you know that's not good that's that's trending in the wrong direction that's not keeping it above water I thought Will kept it above water his first three years you know nobody was happy with the way 2018 ended and you sort of scratched your head how in the heck can that offense get shut out by Virginia in the bowl game um the answer is Virginia used its offense to play defense but uh and I don't think the Gamecocks had a very good plan in that game um But it fell apart. And then last year, things just fell apart. And, you know, last year, if it weren't for 2019, even if last year turned out at two and eight, let's say in 2019, they'd have gone eight and four, eight and five. Then you get an all SEC schedule and all the stuff that happened, happened. Yeah, players opting out left and right. You know, I I think maybe you get a pass. You know, you've had four winning seasons. This is your fifth year. They stuck you with this all SEC schedule you know, quarterback situation, whatever, whatever, you name it. Um, you know, and I think maybe you get a pass, maybe not. Uh, but but I think it's just hard once you get past your first couple of years uh, to have multiple seasons when you're not meeting the minimal standard. And quite frankly, it's hard uh, unless there's just something, you know, out of left field that happens with, with injuries or, or whatever – um, I think it's hard to survive that uh, one year, one bad year. Uh, I think you need to have your bad years at the beginning. So, so when we're talking about the linear life of a coach in the SEC, you know, I think that's the way it has to go. You know, um, you know Vanderbilt, you know, their, their minimal standards probably win a couple of league games if you can or, or win, win a league game at times. You know, their best seasons are when they go to bowls. Um, That would be like the eleven and two or SEC East championship teams at South Carolina. So, so that's a different deal, and it's probably why they stuck with Derek Mason for so long. You know, and he beat Tennessee quite a few times. Uh, You know, so different people have different standards. You know, you you look at Butch Jones. I thought when you look at all the coaches that have been at Tennessee since former left, he probably he did the best job of any of them. But you know, you can't. you know, you you, <laughs> you can't go winless in the SEC at Tennessee, you know, and that was one bad year and he got fired. So, you know, uh, that's kind of the answer to that. Do I think you're going to see shorter leashes on coaches when schools have money to buy them out? Absolutely, because the stakes are going to be really high. You know, the stakes are really high. The the tougher your conference gets and the higher level you compete at, the the, the bigger the stakes are, and that's South Carolina. So thanks, Joe. For that one, the second way to get into the I help consulting mailbox is inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. We got a few here. And this one comes in from Nathan. Uh, Nathan says, hope you're well, JC. How does one get started in your business or work for TBS? Well, TBS doesn't have any openings. Um, getting started in the business, it's good to be able to write a little bit. Uh, it's good to have a passion for recruiting. Uh, it's good to have, uh, a passion for, for the business. And it's, it's also a grind people. It is a fun job because it's, it's like your hobby becomes your job, but man, the minute, the minute you let up, you know, you're not going to have much success. <laughs> so it's a hardworking deal. Um, no recruiting, uh, and write, be able to write, you know, because in our business, you we, 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 we kind of skip the editing process in a lot of ways Uh, just because you're, you're looking to get things out as fast as possible. And, you know, it's a volume content play. And I think our guys have their share of typos. Don't get me wrong. So do I, but I also know that like style wise, and can you read it? Is it readable? Yes. Um, And it's a volume kind of content deal. So it helps to be able to, be creative and work fast and and all that good stuff. And also to be able to interact Uh, much of our business is about community and building a community. And it's been good to be able to interact with different people and fans. Appreciate the email, Nathan. It's always nice to talk about all this stuff. Uh, Drew says, Hey JC, not USC related, but the ACC expanded last time the SEC did. Could the ACC add schools like coastal or app state that are growing I just don't think those guys move the needle. I think if there's any school out there, because what you're looking for now is large fan bases, large student bodies, you know, is it sustainable? I think the only school on the group of five level that would be that way for uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference right now would be UCF uh, and probably over USF. Both those schools are very large uh, student-wise. UCF though with their success they 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 have a lot more like football fans you know USFS fans but it's a pro Tampa's more of a pro sports town all that Orlando uh, you know UCF has its own stadium USF doesn't um, that would be the only G5 if I'm the ACC I'm looking at and you know just to kind of and keep in mind it's not about cable television sets anymore it's it's about you know, market share and fan base size and eyeballs. And UCF to me is a school that would bring a lot of eyeballs. Now, (laughs) do they fit in the ACC? I don't know. Would Florida state and Miami complain about that? Maybe. Um, But that would be the only school like that. Coastal and app just don't move the needle uh, with, with, with that. They're good in football. Don't get me wrong. Good football teams and success stories, but I just can't see that happening uh, with the ACC. I, I think really the ACC is going to beg, beg Notre Dame, beg Notre Dame uh, to come in as a football member. And, and I think they'll do the right thing and add West Virginia. I'm hopeful that they do. I think it's a shame they've used academics as you know some sort of snooty reason not to let West Virginia in. West Virginia, as I was mentioning earlier, uh, they have rivalry games with Pitt and Virginia Tech. They'd love to renew. Their fans are going to get up for that. And they don't like Virginia very much either. Their fans are going to get up for those games more so than they do for Kansas State or Oklahoma State. I can guarantee you that. Uh, and West Virginia, I think, just, you know, belongs in in the ACC. And, and you know, I, the ACC powers that be may not feel that way. Um, and if Notre Dame says no, I'm I'm actually probably looking into that UCF idea. If I'm the Atlantic Coast Conference, if I want to expand, you know, who says they have to? I think they I think they should, but, uh, you know, who says they have to? Thanks for the email, Drew. All right, Taylor's got a long one here. Hey, JC, I really enjoy the podcast and the work you guys do on the Big Spur. Sorry for the long email, but the realignment talk has me as a fan excited for the future of college football. I'm determined that with Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC that we've officially begun a path to an NFL-style model. It appears to me that the brand of the SEC has exceeded that of Texas, Southern Cal, Ohio State, etc. And with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma, it will even surpass Notre Dame. So that being said, here are my two thirty-two 32 32-team conferences made up of 8 4 14-team divisions. And the SEC will be the east South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, Miami, Clemson, North Carolina, NC State, Duke. The South, Auburn, Bama, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Florida State, Tennessee, Vandy, Kentucky, the Central, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M, Arkansas, LSU, Missouri, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. And the West, TCU, Texas Tech, Southern Cal, Oregon, Oregon State, UCLA, Arizona, and Arizona State. The Big Ten will be the other conference. East. Ohio State, Penn State, Notre Dame, Rutgers, Purdue, Syracuse, Pitt, and B.C., the South, Virginia, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Wake Forest, Louisville, Georgia Tech, Maryland, Indiana, the Central, Michigan, Michigan State, Iowa, Iowa State, Illinois, Northwestern, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and the West, Nebraska, Kansas, Kansas State, Colorado, Washington, Washington State, Cal, Stanford, and then sorry, Utah, you have played an 11-game schedule. (laughs) Play each team from your division every year in three rotation games. I'm excited of, uh, as a fan about the schedule that features the best of college football. No more cupcake schedules or half empty stadiums. I don't know about half empty stadiums. I mean, you're throwing UCLA, you know, in there with Duke, you know, when they played Duke, I don't know, Los Angeles, five o'clock kickoff on a Thursday, <laughs> you know, you may have half empty stadium, but um and he always says each team gets one preseason game against an FCS or non group of five opponent. I mean, I, you know, something like this could happen at one point. What what I think would be more likely is, and and again, when I was talking earlier about the traditional matchups is if everybody consolidates, then I think you go back to geography and say, all right, who likes to play who? And you just say, all right, well, Clemson and South Carolina, Georgia, and North Carolina going to be in a division or, or whatever, um, and I could see eight, you know, sixty-four, you know, one deal. It's called major college football. You have a commissioner, eight and eight, you know, eight, 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 eight team divisions, uh, and you go from there. And I do think there will be some mixing with the ACC, SEC, Pac-12, Big 12, Big Ten, all that. Um, and this is a decent plan, you know, if they ever went to that. I don't, I don't think your plan's wrong. And I think it's kind of cool to speculate. But, you know, I'll say this. I, you know, I think we're a ways off from that. I think that right now, you know, you have 16 teams in the SEC. Let's see what the other leagues do if they counter uh, and go from there. Uh, I think the only thing that you, you can kind of look at right now is that the the big 12 is in flux. Um, and you, you sort of wonder where they'll be relegated to, uh, at some point, kind of like the big East was a few years back when, when they were still a power, power five, power six, but they had lost all their good teams. <laughs> um, except West Virginia, a couple of those years, but, um, you know, so you, you had a Connecticut going to the Fiesta Bowl, and that, that when the New Deal happened, they were getting rid of them. And I think that will happen to the Big 12. Unless they do something like get, you know, a team back, that could change. That could change. So there we go. All right. Joshua, my man, emailing in inside the game guys at gmail.com. Hi, JC. Hope you're doing well. I was talking with a Clemson buddy of mine and he believes that their run is coming to an end with conference expansion and NIL. The specific reason as far as NIL is that Clemson doesn't have a large enough alumni base to put the money into NIL to compete with the larger schools, even South Carolina. What are your thoughts? Never, ever underest- underestimate. And look, Josh, we both grew up in South Carolina in the upstate Never, ever underestimate the will of the Clemson folks to have a great football program, to win football games. Uh, never underestimate that. And that's all I'm going to say. I, I think that, you know, from a South Carolina standpoint, if I'm, if I'm just neutrally observing both, both programs right now uh, and the history of both programs, which I'm very familiar with, I'm much more worried about it from a South Carolina standpoint. South Carolina has historically been dependent on things like, oh, we need to go get this coach from this school. He can lead us to the promised land. South Carolina has historically been dependent on, well, you know, we're getting all this SEC money, so now we can go build all this stuff. You know, South Carolina has historically been dependent, you know, more of a dependent institution on the state of South Carolina and let the politics of the state of South Carolina govern it which a lot of in-state schools do. I mean, look at Texas, Texas A&M, that happens. Uh, than Clemson. Uh, And I think that the Clemson people, you know, small alumni base or not, I think they're a little more shrewd with how to make stuff like this work. And, you know, they're having a great run and I don't think they're going to be willing to just let it go, (laughs) you know. And so... And I say that honestly. I'm not. I'm not coming down on South Carolina's fan base, and I mean y'all are my people. Jeez, yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I'm not saying that their fans are superior to South Carolinas. I'm just saying that I've seen how they work things over the years. And I'm not talking about cheating or anything like that. I'm talking about how they work things. Uh, and I've seen how South Carolina does it. And South Carolina, in general, is is more dependent than the Clemson people are, if that makes sense. And so I'm not, I'm not, if I were a Clemson person, I'm not, I'm a little concerned about it because you start thinking about who they go recruit and where they go recruit. And yeah, they're, they're, they're getting kids out of Texas and California and Florida and New Jersey and everywhere else. So, you know, if you're in play for those guys, I think you're a little worried, but I also know this, it, You know, as long as Clemson stays in the ACC and Florida State has trouble coming back and all this other stuff, you know, look at the team they – I mean, you know, we we talk about all the guys they get now from all over. Look at the team they put together that won the first national championship. Do you not think – I mean, I'm pretty sure, you know, as far as NIL and things like that go, they'd have enough to get Deshaun Watson and Wayne Gallman – and Mike Williams and Jordan Leggett and Ben Boulware and Christian Wilkins and those guys. I mean, you you, you were talking about one national recruit that was right down the road in Gainesville, Georgia, that you got. You you know, you went to Connecticut and got Christian Wilkins. Cleland Farrell, you know, from Richmond, Virginia. So I, you know. Will will Clemson be able to sit there and talk about all the five stars they've got from all over the country? No, I mean those games may I mean those battles may very well be lost. But that doesn't mean Clemson can't win a national championship and, and, and be a championship-level program by gearing back and recruiting like they did before. And I think they have enough run in the NIL to do that. And I think South Carolina would be wise to Sort of look at the same thing, you know. But I'm I'm more concerned, Josh, about the Gamecocks with the NIL thing. And that that's something that's been on my mind a lot lately, you know. As far as I, I don't know that people really understand, and it's because I see the comments on Facebook and on the Big Spur and on Twitter about, oh well, the you know our, the athletic department needs to do this and that and the other, and it, and it's that same dependency. You know, we're just kind of sitting around, and, and I don't think people quite understand that it's it's really not up to the athletic department. It's it's up to you know for the first time ever, it's up to the the folks out there. Um, but anyway, you know, if you're a Gamecock fan, you're obviously hoping Clemson's run comes to an end. They come back to the pack, and game's competitive, and you know, uh, and if nil screws both programs enough. Um, you know that Palmetto Bowl may end up being kind of like it was in the '90s and 2000s, where that's that's the game of the year. You know, everybody's kind of hoping for the Peach Bowl, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. I I I really don't. I think that uh, I think both fan bases will figure it out. But I'm I, I'd be more concerned about South Carolina just because of the you know kind of how things have gone over the years with the Gamecocks. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks to iHelp Consulting and the iHealth Consulting Mailbag. Thanks to Heritage Digital. Please continue to subscribe to this podcast. Rate it five stars on Apple Pods. That really helps us. I'll be on JB and Goldwater tomorrow as normal. Also have a Locked on the Gamecocks segment with Keith coming up today for the patrons of that podcast. I encourage you to go check that out as well. Please support our sponsors and all that. Again, sorry for the Distractions earlier today, I, I kept getting hit with things and then uh, the dog barked and all this other stuff. But, um, you know, that was uh, that was my bad if it wasn't an enjoyable listening experience. But I think the I Consulting Mailbag pretty much made up for it. We'll be back tomorrow with more stuff. Uh, hopefully maybe a little more Gamecock talk, less expansion talk. But you never know. And And keep those expansion questions coming to the mailbag. I don't mind answering them at all. This is J.C. Sherbert. Everyone have a wonderful day.